Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, I downloaded this Marco Polo app. If you can see the screen, I'm right now in Marco Polo, so it's a very exciting time. And I have all these friends down here, uh, very good friends that we go hang out with it a lot. But since I have this Marco Polo app, I'm able to join this time conversation between Matt from the Bible Bro Down and Braxton Hunter from the Trinity Podcast. So very exciting. I'm just going to invite myself into the conversation and interject because that's what I like to do. Just interject into people's conversations, walk up and interrupt and uh, alienate and offend. Good times. So Matt, tell us some of your initial thoughts about time. Arguments for the omniscience of God, the, uh, the omnipotence of God and all this stuff. What does the Bible actually say? Like it says everlasting, everlasting. Um, which I don't have a problem with, with, with him having a time of his own. I know we've talked about this before. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a set rhythm like we experience time. I think it's something different, but clearly he shows progression in his nature. Uh, not for better or worse, because then he would be... Uh, I think that that strikes at his immutability, but I, I think the Word didn't have flesh, the Word became flesh, the Word is now glorified flesh. The, there's progression. So... Um, I don't have a problem with seeing that he has, quote-unquote, always been outside of our time. He's got his own, but um, I don't know, these kinds of things. Fun to think about. Makes your head hurt sometimes. Well, Matt, I think that's a very good Bible verse, that God is everlasting to everlasting. And that fits the presentist idea of time very well. It's the, it's the theory of time that we see in the Bible. The past is always done and gone away with, and the future is always yet to happen. And so in the Bible, there you don't find things like time travel and time manipulation and, and uh, people traveling into the past or even God using the past or future to manip manipulate current events as if the past and future are things that exist to manipulate. Uh, there's, there's no time travel. Time is viewed as our natural understanding. Every person that you know, uh, they experience presentism. There's no one who experiences uh, a different theory of time where the past exists still and the future exists still. And you, you go back like the butterfly effect, manipulating both. It, it's, it's not our default understanding of time. And so God always existing from everlasting to everlasting, that's, that's a good description of a God who lives in time and who was never created and who will always exist, right? So it, it's... It's, it's a very intuitive understanding of how God interacts with time. Those other categories you're suggesting that God uh, doesn't degrade or anything like that and an appeal to immutability, those aren't biblical categories. So we, we need to be very careful what kind of categories we're looking at when we're talking about God and his interaction with time. Are they categories that the biblical authors cared about? Are they categories that were championed, or are they categories outside of the normal everyday thought of Hebrew theologians? How about you, Braxton Hunter? What do you have to say about time? Well, a couple things. First of all, the we we do believe that God does things, and God has a progression of actions in time. Like nobody denies that. Well, what about Augustine? In his Confessions, chapter 11, he says that the voice, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, that that had to be a time-bound creature that was eternally predestined to say those words because God can't interact with time because time creates change. Time creates relationships. Time creates dependencies. It creates predicates. And God is outside of all of those in Augustine's theology. 
And so this is classical theology we're talking about. In classical theology, God cannot have sequence of events because that would mean he's changeable, he's not immutable, he's not perfectly simple, he's not pure actuality, and he's not this conception of God by, uh, you know, all the philosophers, the Aquinas's of the world, the John Calvin's of the world, even uh, his critics, the Servetus's of the world believe this theology. Classical Christian theology has that God cannot interact in time. Uh, Braxton? God becoming flesh and, and all that happened in time. Um, and like we've said before, even if God, the Father now, is still outside of time because time is a part of creation, he still might as well be in time because he's aware that for us it's whatever time it is. And his awareness of that pretty well makes him at least like mentally in time. right? So, But if you posited a time outside of creation that was just God's time. The problem is you'd still have to have a first moment of that time. Uh, otherwise, you would have never gotten to whatever point in time God is at at any given time. Well, what about if presentism is true? There's no such thing as this linear view of time where the past is a place that exists and the future is a place that exists. Those are wrong thinking. Those, those are bad categories of thinking. All that exists is now right? And so you don't have to have a first moment. You don't have to have, oh, this must sequentially lead to this, which leads to this. Not in presentism. It's good enough to say that God exists. He's always exists and he will always exist, right? All that exists is now. We, we don't have interaction. We don't have experience with uh, this, this time as, as being seen like a movie that plays out that can be rewound and fast forwarded. We, we don't have access to that conception. And trying to force that conception onto what we default experience, I think, is is a mistake. But is is your view is your view free from this? Do you, do you overcome this error? Because in a timeless God, how does He enter time? Where does He find the time to enter time? Where does He find the time to create? How can a changeless God create anything? You have to have sequence. You have to have uh, events in order to do any of these things. And you're 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 just moving it up one level without any real solution. I think I do have a solution with presentism. All that exists is now. Because if, if, if there was no beginning, it goes back to the J.P. Moreland's analogy. How do you jump out of a hole that has no bottom to it? If there wasn't a beginning to that time, then, uh, but, but there is time, then you could never get to where you are because you would have to cross. Because even if you crossed half of the infinite amount of time, you would never have gotten to this time. But well, like a walk, and a walking covers infinite space, right? Because you could take feet and inches, and you could subsect that to very, very small minutia, and you you could keep cutting them at, for ad infinitum, right? So me walking should be impossible, but it's not, and and we walk places, and we cover an infinite amount of points. But uh, this this analogy, this what you have to jump to be falling. Well, that that's not necessarily true, right? The Bible describes God as from everlasting to everlasting. So God's always been falling in this analogy. There was never a jumping point, and nor does there claim to be a jumping point. But the whole point doesn't make sense to begin with because there has there's no beginning point to for time to get start getting anywhere. Um, so that's why philosophers have mostly said, Christian philosophers just said, he doesn't exist in time, and that actually makes a lot of sense of the biblical language. 
What? It seems like he's timeless. And that also makes sense of his immutability. He's changeless. Um, we could say he's... He, we don't have any verses for that, Braxton Hunter. He changes in, in, in the sense that he takes actions in time, but I don't see why he needs to be taking... It seems like the, it seems like the whole point of trying to say that God has his own timeline is so that you can allow for God doing things in eternity timelessly uh, or uh, that you could allow for God doing things before creation but I don't know why, what it even means to say God was doing things I don't know that God has to do anything or have a passage of time in order to statically have a perfect relationship of unity within the Trinity um, I don't even think God necessarily has to have a progression of thoughts in eternity he just knows all and if you know all you don't even have to have a progression of thoughts so I just so this progression of thoughts idea, that those are, again, platonic categories. They're not biblical categories, where God in the Bible says, you know, after the flood, he sets up the system where I will in the future see a rainbow, and the rainbow will remind me of the past. When, when uh, Even Noah, when he's, he's on the water, he's in the ark, and, and uh, it comes to attention, God's attention that he's on the ark. The outcry in Egypt comes to God. It's brought to his attention. Uh, thou cry in Nineveh comes to God. It comes to his attention. Things are brought to his attention. So it's not this idea of the biblical language where all thoughts are at the forefront of God's mind at all points in history, at all, all times. And he's like seen uh, all facts. He's, he has the entire, entire series of all propositions that are true in front of his face at the same time. No, you see sequence of events. And you see that especially in Exodus 32 where Moses argues with God, and he uses a series of arguments. And how do arguments work on a God who, who has all knowledge in front of him at the same time, at the same instant, as not considering what's being brought before him? But Moses argues, you know, God, if you kill your people here, uh, you're going to look really bad. And then future commentators on the text within the Bible say this is the reason that God changed his mind about killing Israel were the arguments that Moses brought up. So how does an argument change God's mind if God has all propositions at the forefront of his mind at all times? These are not biblical categories. I think it's much simpler to say, and, and, and I don't, and I'm not, first of all, I don't think it's possible for God to have a timeline of his own. But second, for the reasons I already said, but then second, I don't, I don't, know why you'd want to posit that except to allow for things that I don't think God we have any reason to believe God does which is taking actions prior to creation which would involve time okay so um, there was a, a God not having time hey the scripture actually I think favors uh, God having a time and when I say he progresses I'm not talking about in time, yes, you know, Jeremiah 19, he's, he's molding people, all sorts of stuff. Um, I'm not talking about that. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Obviously, there was a, a point in God's continuity, whatever you want to call it, where there wasn't creation. It was prior to our continuity, our time, where uh, in the presence of God, there was not us. And then he created it, and now there is us. So... There has to be a progression in, in outside of what of our own continuity, and I like the word continuity because um, if if our entire universe stopped, we would have no way of knowing at all how long that was. 
It doesn't make any sense because we know, like, if if uh, if you could sit in your office and stop your city for for a minute, you would know it's a minute because you're the one who stopped it, right? There's still continuity going on with you or outside the city. But if you stop everything poof, for for a, we could know. Um, then it, there must be a continuity outside of this that dictates how long that was. That would be God's. Uh, his continuity is the objective standard, and then at, what we experience as time is its own continuity. It can be, you know, fudged with a little, uh, which is why we experience general relativity, I think. Yeah, I think you're right there. And that's the presentistic explanation of the general theory of relativity, that people can experience different it seems to them like my hour, let's just take me playing a video game. It, it seems like five minutes. Then when I go to work, like uh, five minutes seems like an hour. So my experience of time fluctuates based on uh, my perceptions, how my mind's working. But you never get, even in the theory of relativity, reverse causation, where something could go back before another event and cause it to change you, you don't get reverse causation, even in the theory of relativity. So there is some some quote-unquote progression of events, and but I think it's a mistake to try to conceptualize it as A to B to C to anything like that. If presentism is true, because all that exists is now. It doesn't matter exactly what happened in the past. You know, you could use it as data points. You could use it to help measure things, help predict how things are going to turn out in the future. But it's not there to manipulate, to exist. It's not there to go back and change. It's not there to access and manipulate. It's gone because all that exists is now. And so God might have his own quote unquote continuity. Well, yeah, we're still in that continuity. You don't, you, you, he doesn't go back and reverse time. Maybe, maybe he could. Maybe he could make all atoms and all people walk backwards in slow motion. But still, that's a progression, quote unquote, forward of time. It's like a rewinding of time. But it's not going back and changing the past such that you get this reverse causation. You, you you can't get that. And it doesn't conceptually make sense. So, Matt, I'm with you here, my buddy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I need to send you a book. I think I can load it to you on Kindle. Um, I think that's where I bought it. But it, it, it goes through the past, the, the Boethian uh, and, and similar views of time and God's timelessness and he's outside of time and completely immutable. And those are very tied together. And he explains how those don't answer all the ways Scripture talks about God. I don't see so. Yeah, then you you have the question: Are you jumping out of a hole with no bottom? Well, if you don't say that God, if you say God doesn't have His own kind of continuity, and He just is, you still have a hole without without a bottom. I just said that, Matt. You should have just listened to my part of this conversation. That would have saved you the trouble. But I totally agree. I mean, are you saying that God had a beginning? Um, if he didn't have a beginning, I mean, I guess, are you just leaving that up to mystery? Like, well, I can't really explain it. I don't have words to explain God outside of our continuity, time continuity, the creation of the universe. So, um, but he just, it couldn't be my answer because it's a hole without a bottom. 100%. I'm going to try to click this little uh, face to like that. Oh, it's not working, but uh, thumbs up. Or do you have an actual explanation for what, what God experienced? Because just saying he's eternal or everlasting, that doesn't answer it. That just, that's just saying, really saying, I don't really know. Yeah, Braxton, how do you respond to that? In my opinion. No, this is exactly the—well, let me take these in turn. So first of all, you're, you're saying— 
and I understand you're using an analogy, so I don't want to do what Calvinists and other people do to us. Well, it's different with God. But if you're saying, like, if I had a button where I could pause time uh, for everybody else but me, I'm, the, the difference between that analogy and that I think is a substantial difference is I am still in the physical universe, a time-space universe. So, of course, I would still have my own time. Uh a time-space universe. That's a huge assumption that time is a thing. And I could observe the passing of time and then turn it back on. But that kind of begs the question of exactly what we're talking about is whether God has that. And so I, when you say there has to be a moment before creation, I think that to say before creation is to package in with the discussion a time-based existence for God outside of creation. I yeah, so what does the biblical language sound like? God is from everlasting to everlasting. God will do things in the future to remind him of the past. Things are brought to God's attention. God experiences time. Throughout the Bible, he interacts with people. He has give-and-take conversations, give-and-take relationships. People cry out to him and ask him to move and act and change his plans, and he accommodates these things. It's it's very interactive. It's very quote-unquote, time-bound. You don't get a theory of God being outside of time and, and seeing all past and the future at all one instant from a timeless uh, existence, and then he has to enter time. Enter time, that's, that's, a, that's a non-concept in itself. God doesn't have the time to enter time. I don't, I, I don't think it makes any sense to say before creation. I don't think it makes any sense to say, see, I don't even, when I say, and, and I use this term the way that some of the Christian philosophers do, I think everlasting is a time-based term. Uh, yeah. So when I say, what will I experience going forward? Everlasting life. It won't end, but it will be in time. The way I use eternity is for timelessness, but I won't. For, for this discussion, I'll just say timeless. I think God exists Exist, well, I think God still exists, God the Father, timelessly, although I think it's a moot point now, like I said, because he's aware of our passing of time. So that kind of forces him to be in time in the sense that he's aware for us. But I think that outside of creation, which is how I say it, instead of before, um, outside of creation, uh, when creation was not, or <laughs> you can't even say when, uh, but outside of You have too many friends. No one ever calls me. Creation, I think that God existed timelessly. Now, where did do I have the same problem that I'm saying you have, where there's a hole with no bottom to it? No, because I don't think there's a hole. I don't think God, to say, well, then what was God's beginning? That again assumes a time-based term, namely beginning. Um, things that exist timelessly don't don't require beginnings or endings. That those, those are those assume time, which is why I think that to say what. Orthodox Christianity has said for centuries, at least since uh, Aquinas and people like that, uh, is is it makes more sense of it. God exists timelessly, and as such, requires no beginning uh, and no end. He just exists timelessly, necessarily. Now, if someone says, "Yeah, but how?" that doesn't make any sense. I want more information. I think at that point we're just at a brute, primitive fact. God just existed. Uh, God just exists necessarily, timelessly. And so the only way you have a problem of a hole you can't jump out of is if you say God has his own time and he has experienced who knows how much passing of time because then you got to say, okay, well, when did that begin? Uh, and if it began, but it was 
infinite into the past, that's not possible because he never would have gotten to where he is now. Yeah, I like how you just assume that your impossibilities are are okay and kosher, uh, but not the idea that God could be eternally timeless in the sense that uh, he's always existed and he will always exist. So you're picking and choosing, and it's, it's kind of arbitrary, but the Bible uses the language from everlasting to everlasting. It seems to me that the Jewish idea is that uh, God experiences time, and it talks about how he has, he has, uh, he's of old age. He's, he's, he's got a lot of years behind him. And uh, we wither and die like flowers, but he remains the same forever. These, these are time-bound descriptions of who God is and how he operates. And Augustine, he's really funny because uh, uh, you guys might want to read his uh, On the Trinity work where he posits that Jesus, the man, is a time-bound creature and it has to be considered separate from God. And this is like a time-bound avatar that if, if it was actually God, if it was deity here, then God wouldn't be eternally simple and eternity as a unity. He, it would give him division, parts, corruption, decay. And so in that sense, the, the Jesus is more of like an avatar, a body that is eternally controlled by God, just like, just like in the This Is My Beloved Son instance where where there's a parrot creature eternally destined from time eternal. And this is how he made sense of God, quote-unquote, being in time, yet still being God. It, it, the, answer is, the answer is that he doesn't experience time. He doesn't enter time. And Jesus is not divine. And uh, that, that's, that's the position uh, James White takes and all his people at Alpha Omega Ministries. That's why I was kicked out of their Facebook page for asking the question, was the human part of Jesus divine? And they would answer. They just said, oh, you don't understand the hypostatic. I do. I do. Just just answer. It's so funny. Because he would have had to have crossed an actual infinite number of points on the divine timeline. Um, see if I can jump in here before Matt does. I'm in my office. Well, hello, Billy. Um, this is where Matt and I were using the term continuity, where God has his own continuity. And to, to think about this in... Like your terms you're using, Braxton, is you have uh, in, in the eternity continuity where that's where God exists, and that's He has orders of events that occur. You know, like decisions or the, the uh, time. When you think about time uh, as a basic construct, all it is is a measure of events. That's what time is, and uh, we we logically think that there were measures of events prior to creation and. Then, uh, when creation occurred, now we have basically the the our known universe, our known reality, is now in a um, different continuity than God's continuity, the etern- the eternity continuity. We're now in a, uh, a a continuity that has a beginning, and whether or not it, I guess, technically, it'll have an end too, when everything's destroyed. Kind of, sort of. Um, I don't know if we're going to jump into a different one or anything, but um, that's. I think that's where people get confused about time. Is that Matt and I are defining time as just an order of events, and we think that again prior to creation that there was still an order of events that were going on. So what I'm understanding from what you just posited here is like, let's say I go play a video game on my computer, and there's one called The Sims where you create a world 
and there's these little people that go around and do things. And so is that a different continuity? Am I currently in a different continuity? And then I load up the game and it creates this world. And then these actors play in their own continuity. And it's different from me. I could hit, I could hit pause on that. I could hit fast forward on that. I could experience their time differently. And I do because like their days are like, like 30 minutes for me. Right. So they experience quote unquote time differently than me. But but we could conceptualize this as me actually being in the quote unquote same continuity as them, even though it's a separate created world, which the time is in some it's in some way, so, some aspect manipulatable. Their experiences don't have to line up to mine on a one to one basis. and They could be paused in action per se. So I'd say I'd say using that as an analogy, you, you could just say that it's all one continuity. I don't think you gain anything philosophically from from positing two different continuities, just saying that God can uh, pause everyone in their tracks and stop everything, stop the flow of everything. Uh, that that's that's adequate enough, and that that's a more of not God's interaction with time per se, but His uh, power. That's a power claim. What events took place prior to creation, and why do you believe such events were taking place? Well, in Genesis one, you have uh, the angels predating creation. And you have a watery void predating creation, and so in the beginning is a preparatory phrase. It's it's a, it's an introduction to a story. It sets up what it's going to describe. And in the beginning, there's the watery void and God hovering above it. And then He interacts with these divine beings and says, "Shall we make a man in our image?" And there's no objection, so they go ahead and do it. And you you don't get the creation of angels, divine beings, the divine world. In Genesis 1, it's not part of the story. So God's been interacting eternally, I guess, with these divine creatures. And and for the Trinity, uh, talking among himself for all of eternity, interacting with himself for all of eternity. That's the Enyart position, right? And so we, we don't have to say, it's like, like, what was your child doing today at school? If I don't have an answer for that, that doesn't mean that nothing happened. And it doesn't mean, oh, since you don't have an answer to that, since you can't tell me explicitly what your child did at school today, then uh, then your child doesn't exist. Then time doesn't exist for your child. We have to posit a child that's outside of time. If you can't tell me exactly what your child did today, that's I, I don't understand how this ever became a philosophical argument. Oh, what did God do before creation? Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, if the Bible doesn't tell us, then it doesn't tell us. But it does tell us. He's interacting with the angels and other divine beings. And also, I don't think that time is either a construct, uh, like just something that's a useful fiction, or just uh, a sequence of a way to organize sequences of events. I think time is bound to space and matter because, as we know, um, uh, thanks to general relativity, as Matt mentioned earlier, uh, based on where you are and what massive object you're near, uh, time seems to move either more slowly or more quickly. Yeah, but you're just talking about how we experience time. Not You're not talking about reverse causation. You're talking about, quote unquote, uh, how we mentally process events. Even even in the theory of general relativity, you can't reverse time. You can't you can't go to the past before event occurs and then, then stop that event from happening. You don't get this reverse causation. There is presentism in the theory of relativity. And so saying point A, point B, point C, you're already positing, make building a mental structure, uh, your the mental structure about the theory of time that you yourself are positing. 
Presentism doesn't work like that. All that exists is now. And we know that because there's no time travel. There's no such thing. It makes no sense to go back before my my mother had me and then stop my mother from having me. So then who was it that went back to stop my mother from having me if I didn't exist because I stopped my mother? All this time travel theory, this time travel loops. It, it, it all it all brings this theory of time being a manipulable thing that that's part of the structure of the universe or whatever. It, it brings that to a grinding halt. Time is not that, especially in the theory of presentism, which all that exists is now. Any other relationships that we try to say like, oh, I started this podcast half an hour ago, that's just a way of measuring experience. That's not like an actual thing. It's not like, oh, 30 minutes went by everywhere. Everyone experienced the same experience as I did in the exact same sequence of time. If there's someone on Mars, they're experiencing the exact 30 minutes I'm experiencing. No one's claiming that. Not in presentism, not in, not, uh, Matt's not uh, claiming that. You're just claiming that because p- different people experience things differently, now time's not a real thing. That, that, uh, they're, time's manipulable there could be an outside of time i'm not buying it it that's it's not an argument it's a philosophical argument but the biblical language supports presentism all that exists is now the past is done and gone away with and the future is not yet so i I think it's a real thing and i'm not i don't know that you're saying it's not a real thing but i think it's a real thing and that space time and matter depend on each other like the, if they have to all three exist in order for any one of them to exist. Well, I'm about out of time. So, Matt, do you have any last words for us? Well, if God is orderly, as we know he is, then he had to determine to create before he created. I, I, I don't know how you're getting around that. You're just you seem to be saying that. I mean, the way you described it earlier. It, thumbs up. Thumbs it up. almost sounds like you're saying that he existed like the, the universe is when. I don't know. You're not allowing for the the option for God to uh, not create, or that the universe is necessary along with Him, or something. I, there's some weird. Um, yeah. So if God's knowledge is eternal, and if God is timeless, then the universe as we know it is necessary. There's there's no possibility. It's not like if I move my hand like this, that there could have been anything ever that happened otherwise. Why? Because it was eternally known. In God's knowledge set, eternally, timelessly. There, there's, there's no possibility that it'd be the otherwise. And that's the definition of necessity. If you have a timeless God with timeless knowledge, and this knowledge is unoriginated, it doesn't flow to God from outside himself, all events in the universe are necessary. And Matt understands this. And Matt's my bro. He's from the Bible Bro Down. Of course he's my bro. Implications to what you, what you just described. Yeah, I know that's the traditional view, and I kind of reject the traditional view. Um, based on what I've read. But, I, I, yeah. What you read, was that the Bible? I don't see a reason why. Yes, the bottom with no hole, or the hole, the bottom with no hole in it. Uh, the hole with no bottom in it uh, is an interesting question. But the idea that God uh, is a personal, thoughtful being who uh, decided to create and then created, um, Yes, I, it, it's even almost impossible for us to talk about it. I've noticed you several times were using temporal language uh, when just to describe what you're trying to say. Exactly. Thank you, Matt. It's it's outside of comprehensibility 
to posit a God outside of time, timeless existence. It's beyond anything we can even posit because it's so self-contradictory and it's so outside of our experience and it's so outside of anything that we could put to words and conceptualize. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It's, it's just... It's a category someone invented that's just full of contradictions. Why did they invent this category? Because they're trying to build the perfect God in their own mind. A Platonism, right? Because, and maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe we just don't have the words to explain it. Um, but, you know, we're two-dimensional, or we're three-dimensional being, like, we're, we're like two-dimensional beings explaining the third dimension. I don't Yeah, so you have to appeal to mystery. For these people who think that God is outside of time, they appeal to mystery because it's unintuitive what they're saying, and it's it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't work unless unless you implement fatalism, and then God is just a facet of this universe. There, there's no difference between God existing and God not existing, and fatalism being true. Uh, there's no there's no difference. But um, I still like like Billy said, it makes sense to me. God has a continuity of his own. And he experiences that in a different way than we know how that that works. Um, and then we have our own continuity. Uh, and yeah, if if God paused the entire universe, the cosmos, for a second, I mean, we would have no idea. Between every second, it could be a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, last time I played The Sims was maybe like five years ago. So it's probably on pause since then. So it's a good analogy. <laughs> and uh, and his time or whatever. We don't know, uh, but I, 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 I don't know. I, your view just doesn't. It's got a problem with it, and I need to think through it more. Yeah. So great parting words. Thank you, Matt. Uh, excellent discussion. I thank you, Braxton Hunter, for facilitating the facilitating this discussion with myself and Matt and Billy. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, I hope to have some more discussions of the same and similar sorts. So everyone else who's listening, uh, if you guys like this, uh, leave a comment, uh, hit like, I guess, or whatever else they do on uh, YouTube or on. Uh, iTunes. I think you like things on the YouTube and iTunes, but uh, then also like start a thread on Facebook on God is open on our webpage. And we'll talk about time and timelessness and presentism. I got an entire podcast on presentism if anyone's interested. All right. Thank you for listening.